Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for checking out Them Part 7. If you've been listening to the radio show, then you've been hearing all the other parts, and we're moving the story of Them over to its own little podcast because it was just taking up so much room. It's going and going, never stopping. So here we are with Them Part 7. And if you remember, Josie and Sham had just arrived on Gouda. They'd had a delicious dinner at Domenico's where... Sham had sent a coded message to his agent buddies, and now they were just over at Sham's brother Larry's house. Uh, Larry was a mechanic of some kind, and they they had fallen asleep. They were exhausted after learning all that stuff about them and about Josie being magic and about her parents and all the rest of it. So that's where our story picks up, on the distant world of Gouda, in Larry's warehouse with Josie and Sham just waking up. Them. Part 7. Josie woke up to the sound of loud squeaking coming from outside her door. It was Larry and Sham. She leapt out of bed and put her ear to the door. What do you mean it'll be two days for a ship? Why not one of the ones that you've got down there, Larry? That was Sham talking. Sham, brother, hey, cut me a break. This was Larry. You asked me last night, I said I'd find you a ship. I found you something. It'll just take a few days to get ready is all. I don't have a few days, Larry. Oh, come on, Sham, lighten up. Go see Ma, visit some friends, eat the food, see the sights, relax. Two to three days and you'll have your own ship. Two two to three days? I I thought it was two. Right, right, two days. Just two little days. Sham sighed heavily. All right. Thanks, Larry. Thanks. Two days, right? Two days, brother, you'll see. Josie listened to Larry scurry down the hall, down the banister. She opened the door. Morning, Sham. Sham came directly into the room, stepping nimbly over the tripwires that she had set the night before, closed the door, and lowered his voice. Hey, kid, you heard all that, I hope. I was yelling really loud, hoping to wake you up. Well, it worked. Why are you so upset, though? Larry usually lets me take one of the ships in his shop. I don't know what's going on with this two days thing. It gets me all jittery. Gotcha, said Josie, her suspicious, well-trained mind logging the information. Sham sighed again. Well, we've got two days. Let's make the best of it. Ah, Time to talk about magic, kid. And they did. Josie, in the last three days, had been through a lot. She had lost her uncle and her home, not just the house where she lived, her entire planet, the entire idea of being from Earth at all, poof, gone. She had narrowly escaped them, found and lost parents that she had never even known, and now she was on a rat planet waiting for a spaceship to arrive. It had been a very busy three days. But the strain, the stress, the uncertainty, all of the frustration and the sadness and the loss, everything faded away as Sham began to lead Josie through the most basic and rudimentary steps of magic using. Josie was not terribly surprised to discover that all of the breathing and focusing exercises she had worked on endlessly with her uncle were the same that Sham was working on with her to prepare her for magic using. Clarity, focus, willpower, those were the things that her uncle had drilled into her from a very young age, and they were the same things that Sham was drilling her on now. She was so prepared, in fact, that after only a few hours, Sham paused. He let out a whistle. 
I knew your uncle was good, but sweet sacks of flour. He managed to get through about four years of magic training with you without ever mentioning magic and without ever using the darn stuff. Very impressive. Josie felt herself lift and skip inside. Uh, Does that mean we can work on actually using magic now? She asked. You bet, Sham answered. You've got the focus and the will. Now it's time to channel them. Josie devoured the instruction. It was like she'd been dying of thirst but hadn't known it until Sham started handing her glasses of water. Her body loved the feeling of magic. It was there, just behind the jumbled, everyday scurrying thoughts on the outside of her mind. As she focused, she could feel it there. And, through Sham's guidance, she began to use it. She moved a pencil from one end of the sink to the other. She hadn't done it on her first or her fifteenth try even, and she was sweating by the time that it finally happened, but the pencil had moved. It had felt to Josie like she was holding on to a slippery rope with buttery hands the entire time, but she had kept focus long enough to move it. The next exercise was fire. Josie worked and tried for hours and hours. Finally, she managed to snap her fingers, and a flame appeared, burning above her index finger. She was able to hold it for two seconds before it sputtered out. She lay back, exhausted, and a question came to her. Sham, what happened in the cave when the candle started to grow, when you had to bite my hand to get it to stop? Ah, it's a good question, Sham said. He was having a snack as Josie paused to rest. Your anger and frustration must have been so strong, right? You were focused and concentrated, but not on magic, on being angry. But anyway, your magic was activated without you even consciously doing it, and it must have jumped into the first thing it came across. I had to break your concentration. Biting you seemed like a quick way to do it. They practiced and trained until dark, and they only stopped when Josie physically couldn't go on. Sham had to make her. No, kid, you're done. You're exhausted, and I'm hungry. We're done. Come on, take a shower. Let's get over to Domenico's. The scene was nearly identical to the night before, save that before Sham ordered, Domenico came out and listed the evening's specials. The food came all delicious and all different from the night before. As they ate, Sham explained, The specials are his code to me. The order is my code to him. The food's just a bonus. What's the news? asked Josie. The news is we gotta get you out of here. We should be gone already. They are all in a tizzy about something, and it's probably you, and they're on high alert everywhere. That's what the message says. Where do we go? I don't know a name, but Domenico just gave me some coordinates. As soon as we get a ship, we can punch him in and figure it out. Larry says we'll have one tomorrow. I just, I hope that's soon enough. The conversation put a bit of a damper on the evening. Josie surveyed the restaurant. Which table of rats was actually them? Where would they have hidden a secret surveillance camera? The training from her uncle was there, honed and ready for anything, but it certainly didn't make for a relaxing dinner. Josie was weary, tired, exhausted, and all the rest of it by the time that she was alone in her little room above Larry's Ships and Parts warehouse. But she was still curious, and she did love to read before bed. So before turning out the light in her little room, Josie pulled out an abbreviated menagerie of the multiverse. She had grabbed the book at her father's suggestion, but hadn't opened it until now. It was incredible. 
Page after page of unbelievable, bizarre, dangerous, magical, talking, flying, invisible, giant, fire-breathing, wish-granting, fantastic creatures. It seemed like some kind of make-believe imagination game from back home, only each creature was absolutely real and had its own lifelike illustration, information about its home world, scientific details, diet, habits, all of it. Josie's favorite of all the pages that she'd flipped through was The Leviathan of the Silver Sea from the world Alus. It was, according to the menagerie, the largest known planet-based creature. Some space-dwelling creatures, of course, were much, 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 much larger. The Leviathan had a diameter of 100 miles, which is the distance from New York to Philadelphia. If the creature's body sat on a beach on the Earth, the top of it would be firmly in outer space. That's how wide and thick around it was. The Leviathan was 1,000 miles long. That's the distance from Colorado to the Pacific Ocean, the distance from London, England to Rome, Italy. She was mesmerized by the image, a distant, gargantuan mound of Leviathan rising out of a silver, shining sea. The book was incredible, but the pictures and the words started to swim before her tired, heavy eyes. She gave in to the exhaustion, set down the book, turned off the light. With visions of moving pens and flames and leviathans dancing in her tired brain, Josie fell asleep. Hey, thanks for checking it out. That's part seven. Part eight will be out next week. And you can keep following the adventures of Josie and Sham as they try and figure out what to do with them and figure out how to get off of the planet Gouda. High adventure awaits. See you in a week.